Hi. Okay. Oh. Okay. Uh, the Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites to take an offering from me. You are to take my offering from everyone who is willing to give. This is the offering you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. Fine linen and goat hair. Ram skins dyed red and fine leather. Acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx, along with other gemstones for mounting the, on the ephod and breastpiece. They are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. We see you this morning. <clears throat> Let's pray a little bit. Father, we thank you for the privilege today to come together to study your word, to worship, fellowship, commune. God, it's good to be in your house today. We're grateful and thankful for that today. So God, right now, just pray something like this. Open my spiritual eyes and ears. Can you pray that in your heart right now? Help me to hear and see what I need to hear and see from your word today, oh God. Convict me where I need conviction. Encourage my heart where I need encouragement. Give me discernment, Holy Spirit. So, Father, right now, we bring everything under your kingdom, authority, rule. We pray that right now you'll reign rule over everything that's about to be said, that we will hear from you this morning. We pray that in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about you making room for God. Now, I know right now that some of you are thinking, I don't have any extra space in my life right now. And here I come rolling up in here, church on Sunday morning, and you're going to talk to me about making room for God, especially those of you who've got small children. I fully realize that for you, there's not a whole lot of extra room right now in your life. But i got to remind you of something. When the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom of God. That means above everything else, everything in your life, because all that stuff that's got you busy, you got to realize that is a gift from God. God has got that. It is his, and it's your responsibility to be stewarding that, whatever it is, that's got you real busy. Now, maybe some of y'all this morning, you're not real busy. Well, good news. We're going to talk about making some room for God for you as well. Let's talk about this. Start off, you got your outline there. Let's go ahead and fill in those first three right off the bat because we need discipline. And I mean discipline like self-discipline, not discipline like spanking discipline. I mean like self-discipline because we are easily distracted, anybody this morning. But I mean, it's like the good things in life can distract us from the best things in life. The eternal things in life. So make no, no, no mistake about it. Right now, you've got some good things in your life. And those things, if you don't watch them, they will distract you from the best things in your life, which is your relationship with God. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Living your kingdom purpose. All those things, those good things in your life can be distractions. Now, you see, you may be sitting here this morning thinking, now, wait a second, David, those good things, you just said they came from God, so how can they be distracting me from God? Well, here's the problem. You've got to factor in one very important issue here. You are in the flesh, okay? Because 24-7 is there. That is a, a battle that you're going to be fighting all the time, and you're in this world. So you've got these two influences that are trying to take these wonderful gifts of God and get you distracted and moving away in the wrong direction. So, it is easy for us to be distracted. So why do we need discipline? Why do I need to be disciplined to read my Bible, to pray, to fellowship, to commune with God? Because if I'm not doing those things, then I'm going to be distracted. But here's the catch. The catch is this. You need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be disciplined. I'll say it again. The most important thing you do is pray. We've got to be praying that the Holy Spirit is going to be transforming my heart, putting that desire inside of me to even be self-disciplined. Starts there with the Holy Spirit. Are ready for number two? Here we go. We need reminders because we're <laughs> We've learned that from Exodus, by the way. We need reminders because we easily forget. So I need reminders all around me. You know, let me listen. The most, I can tell you this. This, this applies to every area of life. When I was a fitness trainer, we had different classes, one that would start at 5 a.m., one at 8 a.m., one at 12 p.m., one at 6 p.m., and the most faithful of all of them, the members that were there were the 5 a.m. group. Because they, I mean, it's like they started off their day. That was like they made room, because that was important for them. They made room to get up early and get there, and they were the most faithful. Everybody else, they had to deal with. Oh, listen to you. Y'all are already preaching this morning. 
because that, that's it. I mean, like, if I'm going to be talking about making room for God, then it's got to be a priority. It's got to be something. Listen, there is nothing like starting off your day the first thing in the morning and hearing from God, opening God's word, praying, the very first thing. That's the first conversation you have. That's the first word you hear in your heart and in your soul. It comes from God. There's nothing like that. Number three, you've got to have hope, by the way. We need hope because we are, we're easily discouraged in this life, in this world. And then what is so, so I mean, if I look at the, if I look at the reminders and the hope we're talking about starting our day off with God, I mean, that is one thing. It's like whenever we start off right there hearing from God, reading God's word, opening God's word up and reading from it, it is going to be filling us with hope. The thing about the word of God is it's alive, it's powerful, it's eternal, it's life transforming. It's going to get your heart set on eternity. It's going to get your heart pulled away from this flesh and this world that's working to distract you and get you back on the hope, the kingdom, the most important aspect of your life. That's why this is so important this morning, because today, as we come and we begin here in Exodus chapter 25 and begin to talk about the tabernacle, God dwelling among his people. This is the very heart of God. He wants to dwell with you. He wants you to dwell with him. But we're so easily distracted. We forget, and then we get discouraged because we don't think things are working out the way that we want them to. And I just want to remind you once again, Whenever we stop communicating with God, we stop reading our Bible, we stop praying, then we're going to start misunderstanding God. We're going to think that this isn't fair, God's not good, on and on and on. But if I keep that, if I have the Holy Spirit's going to help me with that self-discipline to, to pray and to read the Bible, then I'm going to know who God really is. Truly going to know his attributes. And then I'm going to understand that, listen, it's not about being fair. It's not about God being good or being bad. But that I'm in a world that is filled with sinful people. I'm in my flesh, and things are going to be going wrong in this world. But it never, please hear me, it never goes wrong in the kingdom of God. What I translate right here and right now, man, this all just fell apart and went wrong. In the kingdom, it's going the right way. Regardless of what men is doing, God is always weaving everything out for his kingdom purpose. And when you're living in the kingdom, when you're living under the kingdom authority rule of Jesus, he's gonna weave everything out. Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good to those that love him, to those that are called according to his purpose. I'm glad I came to church today, I'm already feeling better. Let's look at a story right here before we get into that tabernacle thing, because this is gonna help us to get a little bit of context. This is from the New Testament. This is Jesus getting right down to the, to the, right before his crucifixion. While they were, that's Jesus and his disciples. While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. Now, you have to understand something that whenever it says that she sat at the Lord's feet, this right here, these, these is the, this is the, the words they would use for somebody who was a disciple. They were sitting at the, the rabbi's feet. That meant that there was a disciple. So this is like discipleship language to those that are reading the Bible early on. So she's sitting there. She's listening. Martha, it says, but Martha was, oh, there it is. She was distracted. That Greek word right there is perispio. Now that means to be pulled, to drag away. You ever been dragged away by good stuff? You ever been dragged away by things that you got to get done? To be over-occupied, to be too busy, anybody this morning. That is the culture that you live in. It's always going to get you to where you are too busy. You are over-occupied. I mean, I would think if I probably went around this room right here and started from the first row and said, how many of you are over-occupied? Most people in here would be like, yeah, that's me. I am over-occupied. And whose fault is that? I mean, the reason... Most of us get over-occupied because these are the choices that we made because we want all these good things. We want to be involved in all these good things. There's so much good stuff out there that we are so over-occupied that I have no room. Yeah, listen, I did good just get here this morning, preacher, man. I mean, I'm right here. I'm making room right now. Yes, you are. You're doing good. But you can do even better than this. You can make room for the kingdom to flow through your life, every day of your life. And here's what I'll tell you, I'll tell you, like I tell you, every Sunday, there's nothing like kingdom living. I'm not gonna get up here and tell you it's all smooth and it's easy and all goes your way. What I'm gonna tell you is whenever it's not smooth, when it doesn't go your way, you don't, you don't lose hope. You don't give up. You keep on going. 
So Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Oh, wow. And she came up and she asked, speaking of Jesus, Lord, don't you care? What do you think? I mean, I think that of all the caring people, there probably has never been someone who cares more than Jesus, right? Don't you care that my sister has left me? <laughs> left me. She was with me. That, 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 that means she was with me, but she's not with me. She's always helped me when I'm cooking, when I'm making the meal. But now she has left me to serve alone. So tell her to give me a hand. So here's what you have to understand. Martha is focused on feeding Jesus. Mary is focused on being fed by Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. As great as it is that she's feeding Jesus, does Jesus have to have somebody feed him? Of all the opportunities that you got right there in your own living room of your house, here you've got the very Son of God sitting there in your living room of your house, and you are worried about fixing that. Listen, you look at this. You say, now, now, now I'm coming at this from, from a spiritual standpoint, but you, you ladies know somebody comes to your house, you feel responsible to feed them. You want them to have a good experience. You want to be a good hostess there of the people that are in your house. That's, I mean, that's legitimate, right? I mean, we can't look at Martha and go, what's wrong with her? That is legitimate. We can look at Mary and go like, hmm, I don't know about that. I mean, if we were there on that day and we're, we're watching the whole deal, we'd probably be sitting there going, yeah, that's right, Martha, get her. You know, she's lazy. Look at this. She's just sitting here making all these spiritual, spiritual person, you know. We do all that. We can see it. But I mean, like, we're looking at this from the other side because most of y'all, y'all know how the story goes. But you have to understand, you know, I want you to be able to relate to the pain of Martha in this moment. You know, she's discouraged, she's upset, she's stressed out, she needs help. She's wondering why Jesus isn't giving her help. I don't know if anybody's in the church this morning. Because some of y'all, y'all overworked, you're overbooked, you're overextended, and you're upset with the Lord, right? And you're, you're wondering why the Lord ain't getting you some help. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. That's always emphasis right here. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about not just one thing. You want you to get this, okay? We're going to talk about one thing. You're worried and you're upset about many things. Anybody this morning, you ever get upset and worried about many things? Usually, there's going to be one thing that's going to roll over into many things. But one thing. You see this? Are you seeing the Word of God this morning, church? One thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her because what she has chosen right here is she has chosen for the Lord to feed her. So this is my point this morning. We talk about you getting up first thing and you reading your Bible and you praying first thing. You're making a choice for the Lord to feed you first thing. And look at what Jesus said. It will not be taken away from her. So I'm telling you once again, it does not mean that your life is going to go good that day. But it means that that nutrition you got, that spiritual alignment that you got for that day will not be taken away from you. Oh man, my day just went so much better. It did not go so much better. You responded so much better. So let's talk about making room for God. See, your sacred space, that can be anywhere. I mean, I'm thinking about Mary right there and all the, I mean, I wonder, I, I want to know what Mary's response was when Martha, I hear her in there slamming the doors, oh, phew, doing all that junk, slamming the doors around in there, looking in there, oh, I wonder what, what Mary's, if she was sitting there at the feet, if she was looking over her shoulder going, or if she was like just so tuned in that she wasn't even hearing it. See, I think that she was so tuned in she wasn't even hearing it. I think when Martha comes stomping in there, stops, puts her hands on her hips, starts talking, she's probably doesn't hear it. She's focused, because it's not going to be taken away from her. And right here, anywhere you make a sacred space, anywhere where you say, this isn't just a physical space, this is your spiritual well-being too. When you make that your space, you say, this is God. God's time, God's space, dedicated to God, consecrated to God. Then it doesn't matter where that space is, where that time is even. What matters is, is that you have consecrated that to him, you've humbled yourself, and you're willing to listen to what God has for you, because I can promise you this much. He has something for you. He has something for you right here and right now, the rest of this day, and all day tomorrow, and the rest of your life. He's always speaking to you. 
The question isn't, I mean, oh man, God just spoke to me. We always say that. <laughs> God's always speaking to us. We just finally heard it. He's always speaking. He's always got something for you. The question is, are you in a place where you can hear it? Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Man, that is countercultural for us today. Be still. Take a Sabbath. Rest. We've talked about this over and over again as we go through the Ten Commandments. You've got to have a place where you stop, you slow down, you quiet everything to where you can hear from God. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. That's, that looks like a promise to me. Who does the drawing first? Do you see that? you got a responsibility right here. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Draw near to God. you got to do some work in this. When you do that work in this, God's going to answer that. God's going to work in there with you. God's going to be moving and turning and churning with you. Here we are. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses. Tell the Israelites to take an offering for me. But wait a second, God. No one likes it when we talk about money. Everybody gets offended when we start talking about their stuff. I heard a story about a woman that her uh, pastor preached a sermon over giving in the church. And so she wrote him the letter. And she said, she was so angry with him. She was so upset. And she said, I brought my lost friend to church. And what did you preach about? You preached about money. Well, I guarantee you she'll never be back again. And then she signed it. A church member who loves to hear the word of God. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, the word of God talks about our money. So, I mean, if you come in here this morning, you're like, man, no, no, David's going to start talking about our money. Okay, so let me just tell you something right now. Here's where you're wrong. You're wrong on a lot of levels. But I tell you where you're most wrong about this, that's not your money. That's really God's money, and you're stewarding it. Regardless of what you think right now, right here sitting right now, and I've got to tell you another thing, too. I'm not out to get your money. I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit's going to get your heart. Because that money, many times, what we're doing with that money, that's indicative of what's really going on in my heart. So take up an offering for me. You are to take up, you are to take my offering from everyone who is, oh, ooh, look at that. Wait a second, I thought these were a bunch of slaves, ex-slaves. They've been in Egypt. When they were slaves, they had nothing, right? They had nothing. So what, where did they get what they've got now? Do you remember that? If you're going through Exodus, well, you remember where they got all their stuff. Where did they get it? When they were leaving out, God said, told Moses, said, you tell them, go up to everybody's door and say, give me your gold, give me your jewelry, give me your stuff. And I mean, like the Egyptians were like kicking their stuff out the door saying, get it, just get out of here. You know, the plagues had just worn them smooth out. They gave them their gold, all of their wealth. These slaves walked out, loaded down with jewelry, with gold, with silver, with wealth. It all came from Egypt. So I mean, it was a, you say it was a gift given to them from God. I could argue that same thing with everything that you've got today also. You may say, man, I worked real hard for this. Who gave you the power to work? Who gave you the strength? Who gave you the initiative? Who gave you the willpower to work? Everyone who is willing to give. So let's, let's, let's talk about this for a moment. So what about, what about the New Testament? Because I know some of you right now, you brace yourself waiting for me to start talking about how you got to be tithing. Well, tithing is an Old Testament principle. When the nation of Israel goes into the promised land, God tells them to tithe, give a 10%. That's what a tithe is. In the New Testament, we're not commanded to tithe. Here's what the New Testament says about giving. It says, on the first day of the week, what day is that? That is Sunday, right? The church is meeting now on Sundays, not on a Saturday. On the first day of the week, each of you is to set aside something aside to set and save in keeping with how he is prospering so that no collections will need to be made when I come to you. So Paul's telling them, say, listen, every time you get together on Sunday, that's the time for you to be setting aside, keeping some money together. So when I get up on that day, there's no special offerings right there. So he says, according to what, how you have been prospering, you give. So let's talk about how do we give with a right heart. You got that on your outline this morning. No fill-ins there. I just want to give that to you. Something so like when you go to your community group, Take out that list right there. That your first question will be, go over the notes and use that as a kickoff for your discussion. Let me talk to you about this. How do I give with a right heart? Well, the Bible says you need to be giving in secret. Here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 6, I think that's a Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? He says, but when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Makes me think it has something to do with the motive of my heart. What about giving willingly and not under compulsion? I want to tell you something. I think one of the worst things that, that we have had in our Christianity here in America today is that we've had preachers that have got up and, and pressure people into giving. 
manipulated people into giving. We talk about, used to, you talk about the, the televangelists that's always getting up there and they couldn't say five words without talking about you giving them some money for their ministry. And that has hurt Christianity in America today to where many of us are like, the whole prosperity gospel's got to swing quite the other way. And I'm one of those, by the way. I see that there's a rebellion in me against that whole prosperity gospel to an unhealthy degree. But here, look at this. Each person should do as he is New Testament. He has that he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's what we're talking about. How do I give? If God loves a cheerful giver, how do I give with the right heart? Number three, give as an act of worship and gratitude. So did you know that by, there's all different kinds of worship. Worship isn't just you singing a song. Worship isn't just you coming to church. Worship isn't just you singing or listening to the word, but also in your giving. That is also an act of worship. Because when, when we do that with a right heart, it's like, God, listen, I realize all of this is yours. And I want to give, give this to the church, to the ministry, to the, whatever it may be, to the kingdom. Number four, give in faith, trusting in God's provision. Because here's what I want to tell you. If you sit down, you look at your finances, and you think, most of us, you know, we look at that and we say, man, I cannot afford to give. Here's what I want to tell you, okay? Now, I know this is been used against us, but I got to tell you the truth this morning, okay? I'm responsible to tell you the truth. If you give with the right heart, even if you can't afford to give, then here's what I can tell you. You're making room for God to work in your life. You do realize that sometimes whenever you do things that you don't know how it's going to work out and there's a space in there and you're doing the right motive, you're doing what God told you to do, what you're doing, you're giving him room to work in your life. To show himself strong, that he can do this. And your obedience, even in your obedience, when it doesn't look like it's going to work out, you're giving him room to say, hey, listen, I'm really your provision. It's not that job. It's not that bank account. I'm your provision. Yeah. Number five, give with stewardship and not ownership. We already talked about that. Number six, give in response to others' needs. Look at this. James chapter 2, the half-brother of Jesus, 15, 16. If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, I will go in peace, stay warm, and be well-fed. But you don't give them what the body needs. What good is it? So what he's saying here is, is that we shouldn't just be blessing people that are in need. If someone's in need and I've got the provision, I should be willing to give that to them. I love this story right here. Thinking about this, I was thinking about, you know, Peter, Peter had to pay some taxes to Rome. And Peter's like, are we going to pay some taxes or not? We don't have any money, Jesus. They said, we don't have any money. What are we going to do? Look at this. Are you looking at the Bible this morning? Here's what Jesus says. But so we won't offend them. Go to the sea. Cast in a fish hook. I think, the, I think Jesus told him to go fishing. <laughs> and take the first fish that you catch. When you open its mouth, you'll find a coin. How do you know that? How did he know he was going to find a coin? How did Jesus know that that fish was out there swimming in that big sea and that he was the first one he's going to catch? He's going to open the mouth and go, well, I wonder what Peter was thinking. I think Peter's sitting there going, what? How do you know that's going to happen? You can you see him out there throwing it out there thinking, I hope this all works out. <laughs> Pulls it in and there he opens the mouth and did he give room for God to work? Yes. And sure enough, did he find the coin? Yes. Did he pay the taxes? That right, listen, you know what this story tells me right here? Is that God is a God of the impossible. Whenever you think it can't all work out, he's got a silly fish swimming around out there with a coin in his mouth. Because when you can't catch that fish, go, man, I am smart, I'm good, I'm the best fisherman ever. You're going to catch that fish, you're going to go, man, God did that. There's no denying. God did that. Haggai 2, this Old Testament, God said the silver and the gold. Look at that. Who does it belong to? It belongs to me. This is mine. It's all mine. So back to the story. This is the offering you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze. Once again, where did they get that? That all came from Egypt. They're going to use all these things right here. All of these are going to go to build the tabernacle. Blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen. Go to, they might have got the goat hair out there in the wilderness. They did not get the blue and the purple and the scarlet. You know, the blue speaks of, you know, you know I don't put much in this, but just in case some of you are fascinated by this kind of stuff, blue speaks of grace, purple, royalty, scarlet, red, redemption, okay? These are all colors they're going to be making all through. Make this, make this 
going to be a beautiful tent. Tabernacle means tent. Beautiful tent, this dwelling place for God. Ramskins, dyed red and fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the light, everything. Spices for the anointing oil and the other for everything they need. You're going to come, you're going to give it. Now let me ask you a question. Could God just not have spoke and boom, it was all there? Why did he ask them to give? The same reason. Listen, God does not need your money. God needs your heart. You need to give your heart to God, is what I should say. And you don't need, listen, our problem is, is that this world and the stuff of this world, the possessions and all that, that's what gets our heart. That's called idolatry. Pulls us away from God. Whoo, getting quiet in the church house this morning. Mm. Stop preaching with the meddling. The onox along with the other gemstones for the mounting of the ephod and the breastplate. So that is what's going to go on the high priest. It would have looked something like this. This is not the original one as you see Levi and Simeon and Reuben because that's all in English. That should be your first clue. This isn't a real one. It's a replica of it. So this is what he would wear on his breastplate. The 12 tribes of Israel here with each stone represented to that. He told the people, bring these gemstones, put it in there. This is what you're going to make. We'll talk all about that as we start talking about the tabernacle, Ark of the Covenant, priests, all those things. We got a whole bunch of time in front of us to talk about those things. They are to make a, whoa. You ever wonder why people say, let's go to the sanctuary? Oh, where are they in the church? Oh, they're over in the sanctuary. Why do they call it the sanctuary? Why is it the sanctuary? See, sanctuary, here's what you have to understand. Sanctuary is a dwelling place of God. It's a place that's been consecrated to God, that place where God dwells. Now listen, I want to tell you something. I used to didn't think anything of this, to be honest with you. With church years and years and years, sit there just like you're saying right now, and they talked about, oh, well, wait a second. I thought that you said God is omnipresent. I thought you said that God is everywhere all the time. So how does this make a difference? Well, let me tell you something. It makes a huge difference, and this is the reason why. Because in the tabernacle, we're going to see the Ark of the Covenant, and guess what's going to be dwelling over the Ark of the Covenant? the manifest presence of God. He's still everywhere all the time, but here's going to be a special place for him to dwell. So don't make, hey, like, make no mistake about it. You may come in here and look around and go, this looks more like a warehouse and a church, but this has been consecrated to God right here. This area, this space, it isn't just a one-time consecration. It's a calm, constant prayer over this area, over this space, over this time, that this is a special place dedicated to time, a special time, all consecrated to God right now. Because he wants to dwell among them. So this is, we'll look at lots of pictures of the tabernacle, by the way. I only want to show you this one right here today because in this rendition of the tabernacle, that's the rendition of the presence of God right there over going into where the Holy of Holies is. But here's what you understand. All the nation of Israel, each tribe would go off section by section. Do you see all the different sections right there? Every one of them, their tent is to turn towards the tabernacle, towards the Manifest presence of God towards the dwelling of God. So every day when they woke up, do you know what they did? The first thing the man did when he got up, he looked out. What he's going to look, he's going to see, is this right here still over the tabernacle or has it raised up? Because if it's raised up, then we're packing up and moving. So their whole life was built around the presence of God. God dwelling and leading them. Oh, you see, here's our problem today, dear friend. Our problem is this. Is that God is everywhere all the time, all around us, all the time. It's like it's, he's woven to every, and we got used to it. We're like, we don't even see God anymore. Yeah. We're just, we think, oh, wow, I just got lucky there. Look, things worked out, and what a beautiful day. We don't see that God's in everything. We don't see anything sacred at all in this life we live today. We think it's all natural science and all this kind of stuff. Listen, science can't be held together unless Jesus holds it together. This planet can't, I mean, the, the whole universe you're living in can't hold together unless Jesus holds it together. The Bible says, by the power of his word. Yeah. <sighs> I see people in the back row starting to smile. All right, hallelujah. <laughs> Holy Spirit's moving today. Let's talk about this. God dwelling with his people. Start Genesis, and let's go to Revelation. You can go home and tell the people, man, my preacher went all the way from Genesis to Revelation Sunday morning. So this is God dwelling with his people Adam and Eve, he dwelt right there with them and said, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of Yahweh their Elohim walking in the garden. So God, at the very beginning, before sin entered in, he was dwelling right there with them. And there's a fall. After the fall, here we are. Look at that. That's our text today. Next place, God's going to dwell among his people, the tabernacle. Then you go to 1 Kings. 
And that's whenever they built the temple. It said when the priest came out of the holy place, the cloud, the Shekinah glory cloud of God, the presence of God, manifest presence of God. You see this? Filled Yahweh's temple. And because of the cloud, the priests were not able to continue ministering for the glory of Yahweh. Filled. They, could, they had to shut down because the glory got too heavy. Then, of course, God dwelling among his people, John chapter 1, verse 14, is Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And now, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, John chapter 14, that means you that are in Christ Jesus. Now you are the dwelling place of God right now. It says that, and as I will, and I will ask the Father, he will give you another counselor, capitalized, speaking of the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be with you. Thank the Lord. There's another one there, 1 Corinthians. Do not know that your body right now, believer in Christ Jesus, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then Revelation says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. You see that? That's just all going to end up. Start out in the garden with God dwelling with Adam and Eve. It's going to end up in Revelation with God dwelling with everybody. Back to the garden once again. Back to Eden once again. So how are your indications you're dwelling close to God? There they are right there. It's going to be off the screen real quick. So if you want to take a picture of that, better take a picture real fast. Because I'm going to focus on the opposite of this. Because we talk about this every week. Obedience to his commands. Through the Spirit. Continuous prayer. Spiritual understanding. Loving one another, personal transformation, inner peace, confidence in approaching God, generosity and sharing, and joy and suffering. Those are all indications that I am dwelling close to God right here, right now in this world. Now, let's focus on the ways we struggle in our intimacy with God here today. Once again, same things we talk about all the time. If I'm neglecting prayer, ignoring scripture, if I'm harboring sin, holding on, trying to cover up my sin, being distracted by the world, talked about that, self-reliance, lack of community, not going to church, not getting around church, God's people, but let's focus in on number seven through the rest, doubting God's goodness. Man, this is a big one right here. This is the way that we struggle in our intimacy with God, doubting that, you know, see, look, whenever I got this doubt, it's gonna cause a, it's gonna a barrier between me and this really having an intimacy with God, but I don't believe that God is good Here's our problem. So many times we get our circumstances confused with the goodness of God. If our circumstances are bad, we think that God is bad. That's a problem right here today. So whenever I get to the point where like, I realize and I understand that God is good regardless of my circumstances, that changes everything. Now I realize that, listen, it's not contingent on what I'm going through, whether God is good or not. So I mean, this is huge right here in our struggle right here with God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews chapter 11. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Number eight, my clicker's not working, so maybe I'm going to have to go to, did it work? Went too far? We're on eight, now it's not, is that me or y'all? Nobody's talking to me up there. It's me? Okay. I'm going to turn my back every time I go to this. Are y'all messing? Am I getting punked right now? Is that where we're at? We're on eight. Y'all said eight, right? Okay, I'll just use this little thing right here then. We're on eight. Okay, yeah. So, spiritual complacency. Apathy towards spiritual disciplines like worship, service, study, that can all lead to a stagnant relationship. Look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 through 16. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Man, I mean, how many times is that right there? Is that us? It's so easy to be lukewarm. You're neither cold nor hot. I would that you would either be cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you. Man, that's rough right there. 
That's rough language in the Bible, by the way. And what God's saying is that I don't want you to be lukewarm. I'd rather you get hot or to be cold. What? I've never heard a preacher say, you need to just cool off a little bit. I'll just lukewarm. Just go to cool. God likes cool better. I never heard that sermon before. That's a rough one right there, isn't it? So we, we, let me tell you something this morning. Let me ask you a question. Which one would you rather be? Would you rather be lukewarm or would you rather be cold? Would you rather be lukewarm or would you rather be hot? Man, how many times people are like, man, I'm fired up for Jesus. They got a big smile on their face and they're just glowing, right? I'm going to tell you something. That does not just naturally happen to most people. I mean, you got you to put something into that, some prayer into that. So I got it on nine here. So y'all, y'all might need to work on from your end up there, I guess, a little bit. We work together, link up together. So unforgiveness, holding on to grudges and not extending forgiveness can create barriers to experiencing God's. Listen, this isn't just you forgiving other people, by the way. This is you forgiving yourself. Man, I mean, sometimes it's a whole lot easier to forgive other people than it is to forgive ourselves. Look at, this, look at this, I think we're in the Sermon on the Mount once again. Look at this, Matthew chapter 6 says, For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. So let me ask you something. Do you want God to forgive you? Yes. Let's here, look at this. It says, But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. That's Jesus himself. I mean, you might be one of people who said, I only believe the red letters. Well, there's the red letters right there, my friend. It says, You've got to be willing to forgive other people. Okay, fear, number 10, fear and anxiety. <laughs> right on time, huh? <laughs> Be consumed by the worries of technology, distracting us from trusting God and seeking his kingdom first. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your, man, if I could just live that, I could just live this one verse right here. If I could just live that 24-7, life would be a whole lot easier. Man, that is a tough one. I think it's a supernatural work of God right there in our life. I got good news. I am through fighting the technology battle. Y'all can stand up. You know, technology is a lot like spiritual, our spiritual life. When it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it's bad. There's no lukewarm in that, right? I mean, technology is good or it's bad. I mean, it's either working or it's not working. It's nothing make a preacher cuss. <laughs> and I think that the same can be true for us spiritually, too. The man, when it's good, it's good. And then whenever it's bad, whoo, it gets bad. So maybe today you're here and you're like, man, David, it's just went south on me. Not that life has went south, but just that your spiritual life has just went south. Your, your well-being spiritually has went south on you. And that's, man, the ebb and flows, the ups and downs of life happens to every single one of us. So I want you to hear me this morning. Does not mean you're not spiritual. Does not mean you do not love God. Does not mean that you're not sincere. I can tell you what it means. It means you're in this world and your heart's still beating. It happens to every single one of us. So don't feel like you're a second-class Christian or you're just not really that good. So I hope you understand. If you come here every Sunday, I hope you understand. It's not about how good you are. It's not about your performance. It's about your position. It's what Christ has done for you. So if you're not feeling it today, then hey, listen, I believe that the Holy Spirit is happy that you got up and you went ahead and you came here anyway. If you are feeling it today, then thank God. Thank God you are. How about let's just pray over every single aspect of all of that because with this many people in here and people watching online, we're going to cover the spectrum all the way around. So let's pray this morning a little bit. So God, we thank you today. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. God, we thank you for salvation. So today, let me ask you a question as I'm praying, and we're praying together. Are you saved? 
So today, if you're struggling over your salvation, right now it's time you just praise. God, maybe you don't know. So God, just Holy Spirit, help me to, to realize, am I really saved? Help me with these questions in my heart. You can pray right now and he'll hear you. So let me ask you this as we're praying. Is Jesus your king? Is he your Lord? Is he your savior? Have you asked him to forgive you of all your sins? Have you submitted yourself to his reign and rule over your life? That's essential to salvation. You've got to do that. Other than that, we can be saved. But if you've done that, you're stepping in the right direction. You're moving in the right direction. So if you're saying, if you said that and you believe that in your heart, you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you're living under his rule, you've asked him to take that atoning blood and just cleanse you of all of your sins, then you're moving in the right direction. Don't let condemnation fill your heart. So maybe you know all that and you're, you're, you know you're saved, but things just haven't been going too well for you spiritually here lately. And first of all, I would just say pray, just thank God that you're even here this morning. You took a step in the right direction just by getting up, coming to church, or turning us online, whatever it may be. You're moving in the right direction. So thank God for that. That, that is an indication that the Holy Spirit is working in you. And I just pray something like this. Holy Spirit, stir in my heart. Stir my affections for Jesus. Help me to draw close to you. Help me to dwell with you, oh God. Can you pray this? Help me to make more room for you in my life. Maybe today, you keep on going that you're doing good. Man, you're on the mountaintop. Things are going good. This is the best you've ever been spiritually. Then let's pray about that as well because God, thank you for that. Can you thank him right now in your heart? I thank you for your good work in my life and in my heart. I thank you for the joy that's super abounding in my heart today. And I thank you, God, that regardless of my circumstances, your goodness is flowing in my heart. So God, we pray that you'd help us to see what you're doing in our lives and the lives of those around us and give us the, the power and the ability to join you in that, oh God. So we are grateful today, oh Lord, for your goodness and for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you today that we can come together, that we can worship, that we can commune, that we can pray, that we can hear your word. God, you're so good. We're so grateful. So right now, we're about to enter into our time of communion. You want to do a little praying about that? If you want to thank God for that, maybe the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart to, to um, ask for forgiveness over something, then do that right now in your heart. Just make sure that everything's right between you and God, that, you, that you're in a good place today. No one's going to force you to take communion. You only do that if you want to, if you're in Christ Jesus and you want to. God, we thank you today for your goodness and for your grace. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can come get your, get the elements. <laughs> thank you, brother. Appreciate it. You know, I don't know if it's okay for me to say I've got a favorite verse in the Bible. I don't kind of struggle over that. But if I, if I have one, this is going to be right here. This one and Matthew 6.33, which says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This one right here. This one 
is um, so freeing, so powerful, and this has changed the, the hearts and lives of many, many people over the years when they came to this and they recognized that, oh yeah, you know, I am in Christ Jesus. So if there is, if I am feeling condemnation, then I realize it doesn't come from this, and it doesn't come from my position, that there's a lie and I'm believing the lie. And so today, you know, if you've been believing the lie, you're in Christ Jesus, and you're believing the lie that you are condemned for your sin, that God's angry with you over your sin. If you're in Christ Jesus, that's not the fact. Now, our sin does separate us from God, but he doesn't, he doesn't get angry with us, get mad at us, and push us away. He's always drawing us back in. He's always a loving father. He's always good. So there's no condemnation because Christ paid the price for your sins. That's what we're doing right now. As we observe communion right now, this is, a, this is you exercising your belief. You're remembering that all of your sins have been atoned for. And this right here represents all of your sins being forgiven. The most sacred thing we do right here and right now in this moment. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's go ahead and let's open up. So as we do this, I want you to think about something here this moment. That right here in this moment, this is like you sitting across the table from the Lord Jesus and you telling him thank you. This is your moment to tell him thank you. So every sin has been forgiven. And the weird thing about that is it's the past, present, and future. So we come right now and we are thanking him that he paid that price that we could not do on our own. So if you want to pray with me, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for your body. Thank you for dying for my sin. You're my God. You're my Lord. You're my King. And you're my Savior. Let's eat. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, and he said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So that's what we're doing right here and right now. This is all a part of us remembering in this moment. So go ahead and open up the juice. I just think just this, the thought just struck my mind that, you know, as we're in here and, and we hear the noises from the babies, the new life, this is representative of new life. So, you parents that bring your children in here, I know it stresses you out when they make noise. It does not stress the rest of us out. I want you to know that we're glad they're here. It doesn't bother me. I've got kids, raised kids, I've got grandkids, and glad they're in here. Don't feel uncomfortable about that. Glad they're making noise right now. It reminds me of new life. You have a new life in Christ. And like, our life, the Bible says, that's all connected with our blood. Jesus gave his life. He shed his blood on that cross so that we could be forgiven, totally forgiven, new life, new beginnings. You ever got a new beginning? Mm. So you want to pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for the new covenant. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your love. You are good. You're my king. 
You're my Lord, you're my God, and you're my Savior. Let's drink in faith. Y'all want to stand up if you could? Man, I should get a bonus this week. We're getting out early. I get a bonus every week. Every week I get a bonus. That's not money. It's always a bonus to get to be here with you, to get to share with you what God's put on my heart. It's always a bonus. It's, good to, it's a bonus is looking out there and seeing your, seeing your smiles and your frowns and your shaking your heads. And someone told me this past week, they said at the back, and they said, man, look, everybody was shaking their head in unison as you were preaching. Like, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in our church. And it's just so grateful for that. It's, I'm grateful that we have life. And I mean, we have spiritual life, and we come together, we celebrate, you know, we celebrate, we worship, when we commune, and when we look at God's word, it's all a wonderful, wonderful experience. And so that is, that is something I do not take for granted, because I've been on the other side going to church, and so I like this side. So thank you all for being here. I'm going to pray a blessing over you today as you leave out, that God's blessing will be over your life. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit's going to be stirring in your heart. Whatever he was saying to you this morning, all through this week, Man, you know what? I want to tell you something. One of the most encouraging things someone told me one time. They told me that I'd been their pastor for a few years. I was walking out of the church, and she ran out behind me. She said, David, she said, you always told us to take 10 minutes every day and read our Bible. She said, that changed my life. So, God, we thank you today. We thank you that your word is life-changing that you've got the power to change us and transform us, that we're not who we used to be, and that you're changing us right here and right now in this moment. We're so thankful for that, oh God. We're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for the resurrection. God, we're thankful for the new life as we hear the babies in here this morning. We're thankful for that. Ah, thank you, Lord. Scott, today as we leave out and we head out into our week, God, we pray that would just be tuned into you through this week. Just Holy Spirit, motivate us to dig deeper into your word, into your presence, oh God, to hear you, to see you in every moment of every day, to make more room for you in our lives. So if you look at the screen, I'm gonna pray this over you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace as you go in Jesus' name.